Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is paid commercial programming. The content and opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of WSSP, Odyssey Milwaukee, its staff, or sponsors. From Lake Michigan to the Mississippi, and every river, lake, and field in between, let's talk everything outdoors. All <laughs> You're on the crazy train. All <laughs> Welcome. To the Wacky Walleye Cutting Edge Outdoor Show. Fasten your seatbelts for a wild ride through Wisconsin's outdoors. Only on 1250 AM, The Fan. Well, good morning to you all. I hope you're all doing great this morning. Wide awake and bushy-tailed. Hey, listen, this is the uh, Wacky Walleye's Cutting Edge Outdoors brought to you every Saturday morning from 6 to 8 a.m. And this is a live show, so if you call us, watch your mouth. Anyway, you can give us a shout if you got questions or comments at 414-799-1250. Or you can always email us live at ceoguys at yahoo.com. I'm Tom Neubauer, he's Dan Bush, and we got Sam Schmitz on the boards. Good morning, fellas. Good morning, Tom. Uh, so, hey, let's start it off real quick. You probably know something about this, Danny. We got an email from Paul. Paul s- sends a picture of a cooler with some baby muskies in it, and it said just a few of the 250 that they released into Pewaukee Lake. You know about the release of muskies in the Pewaukee? Yes, uh, I uh, mentioned that a couple weeks ago, the Leech Lake strain. Right, I remember you talking about that. Did they do that this week, right? I, they, well, they must have. I, I, I think so. I got an email about it, and uh, in fact, I, uh, I failed to mention on one of our previous shows, I had meant to uh, mention that they were looking for some volunteers to help kind of dispense the muskies into the lake, but I'm sure they got the job done. So, yes, that's really good news. Yeah, that is. Yeah, yeah, they're they're cute little buggers. 
those little guys. So you, you know, I was at uh, it's called a Thesons up by Sparta, Wisconsin this week, and on their bulletin board there by the service counter desk where you'd buy fishing licenses and so forth, uh, there's some guy. There's a flyer. Uh, some guy's going to be there. I don't know in a week or two, and and you can buy all these different species of fish. Uh, he's selling, I don't know, so it's a walleye, bluegill, I mean like live fish um, that looks like that he's selling, I don't know, for people to put in their ponds or whatever. Now, it, it, okay. it, didn't, it didn't say muskies, uh, but it had a lot of different species. And I guess, I don't know, I used to always wonder, is it legal to have it in your aquarium? Uh, not that, uh, not that you're going to date the DNR war- officer warden's daughter and have them over in your place to see anyway. It's a, if, if they're of legal size, it is. Yeah. Well, I was told, well, see, legal size, though, Tom, is too, too ambiguous. Well, well, no, if, it's, if, if you catch it and it's legal, you can put it in your aquarium. But if it's, you have if a it's class legal, C, if it's, if yeah, if, a, it's, if it's legal size for where you caught it out of. Right, exactly. So, realistically, there's no size limit on the Bay of Green Bay, so... So I mean, you could lie, you could lie. I mean, you could catch a little one out of Pewaukee, and if they come in, they can you can well, you know, I caught that in the Bay of Green Bay, put it in my bucket last spring. What? No size limit on what? Pike. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. You are right. Yeah. So, but if you have a Class C license uh, that allows you to keep undersized fish, that that you can do. You can buy that license. And then you can go out and let's say catch a four-inch bass and put it in your aquarium and watch it grow. Yeah, but isn't that license like through? I talked with our our old friend John Lehman years ago, and isn't that through the uh, uh, Ag Department of Agriculture? And it's not like it's something easy. You can go, you know, go to Fleet Farm and buy at the license counter. Uh, I don't know if it's through the Ag Department or not, but I know or Department of Labor, Agriculture. Yeah, yeah. I. But I, I, from what I understand, they, they are fairly easy to get, I think, through the DNR. Nah, I don't think they even offer them. I'm not sure. This is just what I'm remembering from years ago when my son, well, when I had a bait shop, uh, I had a little aquarium in it, and I had, you know, some little bass, largemouth and smallmouth in it, and a little, you know, some other little fish, some bluegills in that. Um, but I can't remember... If I had that license or not, maybe I didn't. Probably I think, not. I think we're past uh, what do they call that? Uh, the uh, yeah, uh, statute of limitations, Tom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I'm past yeah. that. So past, yeah. Okay. But uh, all right. I, I actually knew a, a, quite a few fellas that had aquariums that would, you know, keep some smaller fish and put them in there, especially like the bluegills in that, because that was perfectly legal. Bluegills, perch, whatever, cause little ones. And, uh, yeah, that was pretty cool to have them in an aquarium. Yeah. Yeah. And then, okay. uh, yeah, go ahead. Any other emails? No, but I do have an update about stink bugs. You know what a okay. stink bug, bug is? Uh, yeah, they stink. <laughs> well, actually, they do if you get a lot of them together. But they're these little brownish-type bugs that kind of square. I don't know. They're probably about three-eighths of an inch square and they try to get in your homes this time of year they want to get where it's a little warmer and you see them on the side of buildings on the side of your house on windows or whatever you see them in bushes and that 
they're 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 annoying, and I'm sure a lot of people have seen them. The thing is, I want to let people know is they don't bite and they don't sting. They eat little tiny bugs. Okay, so, but they're not a threat to humans or anything like that. It's just that they're a pain in the butt, you know. That so, they try so, to get in your house, yeah. So, so for all our listeners out there who have been panicking when those yep. vicious stink bugs have been invading their home. You can rest easy and tell your wife to quit screaming. Yeah. It's okay. Matter you know, of fact, you might as well welcome in. If they eat little bugs, you should open, welcome them in with open arms. Open your well, windows and doors. Yeah, More they, stink bugs, the better. They look, they look nasty. Okay, and then they got these long legs. Yeah, kind of like your relatives. Yeah, they look kind of like relatives at Christmas. Yeah, they they don't look good. I mean, they look nasty. They look like they might bite you or sting you or something like that. You know. But but they don't. But it, they're just a pain in the butt to have around, you know. I wouldn't want I wouldn't want to be sleeping at night and having one crawling up my ear or nose or something, you know. No, I I as a general rule of thumb, I I don't do do bugs real yeah, well. Yeah, me neither. Nah, gotcha. Okay, I don't well, want to suffer any bugs. Nope. That's nope. that's 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 a important safety tip there, Tom. <laughs> so. Well, I just thought I'd let people know. I thought it was interesting, you know. Because yes. there, there are a lot of them around. They've been around now for about the past month. And they're just a pain. And boy, speaking of weather, it's a little cool outside this morning. I think fall is really here. Well, I was up, um, I was up uh, by the lacrosse area this last week, Sparta, and uh, I anticipated that there'd be these beautiful fall colors. Everything was green yet. It oh, yeah. was amazing, as opposed to when I was up at the palatial estate in Douglas County bear hunting a couple months, week, well, months, weeks ago, uh, the fall colors were going into full swing up there. The maple trees were gorgeous, yeah. um, but uh, kind of different. Now, what, Tom, you are the guy being as you're a genius, eh, and you know everything. Uh, what causes the leaves to change in the in the fall? Is it like the first frost or what? I mean, what is it, you know? Yeah, it's the colder weather. It's something to do with the chlorophyll in the leaves well i know that yeah and i know it's colder weather but i was looking for more specific i don't really know for sure like i said it's something to do with the chlorophyll changing and uh whatever i don't know for sure yeah that's right chlorophyll it's what gives green plants their green color yeah and And aids in photosynthesis where i paid attention in eighth grade biology that's good i'm glad you did yeah, <laughs> I found out where babies come from then too. <laughs> it's always good to know. <laughs> well, I'd heard rumors before that time, so yeah. I kind of knew. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, um, I, I, you know, to, even around here, I haven't really noticed, uh, you know, a lot of different colors. I've all, the only thing I've noticed are yellow leaves. Yellow. That's the only thing I've noticed, yeah. yeah yellow sucks. We don't like yellow. We like yeah, brilliant, no. bright color like maple yeah. trees that turn that bright orange color. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, that's 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 the type that we like. Hey, you know something else? Uh, today's the 16th. I saw a flyer when I was at the beer depot that I, I think it said that uh, the uh, the musky tournament is going on today on Pewaukee, the John Lehman, you know, Two Charlies Memorial Tournament. And I'm surprised nobody called the show or nobody told us anything about it. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, how about that? Yeah, 
Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, yeah, I don't know what to say. I'm, what you... I'm surprised they didn't call or say something. Yeah, I <laughs> that usually gets a pretty good turnout. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, how about, no, nobody told us about it. So if anybody wants to call in, I got a text from Komar saying, are you fishing tomorrow? And uh, I said, well, no, I might swing by there later. Uh, so, yeah, well, hopefully they got a good turnout for that. And, uh, yeah, I just uh, I just wish it had been kind of, you know, got the word out there a little bit. We could have helped yeah. plug it. Yeah, one of my sons calls me, you know, a couple of days ago, and he said, hey, what are you doing on Sunday? I said, nothing, why? He says, well, you want to go fishing? For them pike and i said yeah and big perch i said yeah let's do that and then i find then i call him up yesterday and i said you do realize it's going to be about 40 degrees in the morning when we go out and he says yeah why don't you want to go and i said no i want to go i says i'll dress for it i said i was just wondering if you knew that and i said and on top of that it's going to be 15 to 25 mile an hour winds i said you still want to go he says sure let's go <laughs> So, yeah, tomorrow might be a short day, you know. Short day, cold, what do you mean? Cold like, and windy like that? I, no. You know what? I can handle cold, but I hate wind. Yep, me too. Wind is the enemy. Now, I, I, I've been raving about my new trail cams, my spy point cams, but I discovered a... A little bit of a problem this week when I left them way up on a ridge up there in Monroe County is that I I switched it where I, I had a three-minute delay when I was bear hunting because I didn't want you know a thousand pictures of the same bear as it's eating at the station but now I, I put it on a 10-second delay figuring well it's just gonna be deer going down a trail they're not milling around there so if one deer goes through if a doe goes through and a buck's behind it, I don't want a delay where I miss the buck, right. you know. And so I set it at the 10 second, but uh, I've already reached my limit. My limit is a thousand pictures a month oh, on no. that camera up on the ridge. It's already reached a limit. What I discovered was during a real bad wind, right? Yeah. It'll keep going off with the movement of every tree or yep. whatever's doing it. So I got hundreds of pictures of nothing. And and so it's, now it's my my quota of 1000 a month, being as I was too cheap to pay $5 more and get the unlimited amount of photos. Well, I thought, well, who's going to need more than 1,000, you yeah, know, right. photos yeah. in, a, in a month, right? Well, now I found out. And so now if anything shows up on that cam for the next four days before my next 30-day cycle starts... I ain't going to get nothing. So, and uh, I'm afraid maybe my SD card's going to get filled up up there. So, yeah, a little bit of a problem there. I have to work on the tech technical difficulties there and maybe change that setting. Yeah, I suppose if it's a motion sensor and the the, the tree limbs are moving, yeah, it's going to start snapping pictures. Wow. I I also have now I did get uh, some pictures of some nice deer, including one nice buck. Um, but I got something strange on on the trail cam. In fact, I think if you Google, 
you can you know you can google and there is a site which will show you uh, pictures strange trail cam pictures that people have got over the years um i've got one that i can't figure out it's during the daylight uh it it it's something black and white brilliantly bright and of course a skunk right but when you look at it it it's kind of in a blur like it was in fast motion and it looks like there's a white bird and that the skunk has a white bird in its jaws that's what it looks like wow i mean i swear to god you can see a kind of a white tail sticking out and you see two little bird legs that cannot be the skunk's legs and i'm trying to make it out and i'm thinking did did that skunk somehow pounce on a on a bird i I, I'm thinking, well, I must be just misreading it. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure going to have a, to have. I was going to say, unless it was a dead bird, was she? Uh, no, no. Then, in, in uh, what kind of a bird looks like a, a little, it wasn't a little bird either. It looked like a big white bird, hmm. not as big as a seagull. But you, you look, you see tail feathers, unless I'm totally misreading it, but it's the strangest gosh darn thing uh i'm gonna have to show it to some friends and see if we can get some uh you know get some interpretations there i'm, I'm sure if i go over to the gin mill and talk to all the local you know experts sitting at the bar the guys that know everything about everything i'm sure i'll get more than one opinion expert opinion i should add again on what that thing is that'll clear it up that sounds like a good idea and right now the other good idea is to take uh, our first break of the day and when we come back, we got an email from Kyle, because it's a happy day for Kyle. And I'll explain that later when we come back, right after this short break. You're listening to the Wacky Walleye's Cutting Edge Outdoors. Stay tuned for more. Welcome back to the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. I'm Dan Bush, along with Tom Neubauer. Sam, our executive producer on the board. Sam, do you like the sound of that executive producer? I do. I always tell Rami. I always tell Rami that I'm also the executive producer of the Cutting Edge Outdoors. Um, and, and, what and does also, Rami say? <laughs> he says he loves it. Good. I uh, one of these days, Sam, I'm I'm gonna call in to you and Rami because I listen to you guys during the week. I I got to talk to Rami, so uh, someday what I'll do is I'll send you a text during the show, and that way you'll know when I'm gonna be calling in. So fine with me. I got to talk to him again. It's always it's good to have him back. By golly. Oh and yeah. You guys and you guys do a good job. So I appreciate it. Hey, uh, I was I oh. was up hunting this week and uh i i had to watch the bitter end of the brewers uh series uh by myself in a hotel hotel room but uh what was uh what was your general feeling sam uh there yourself watching it what do you think the brewers need to do um honestly not hmm, that's the thing is that there really isn't much room to do for next year because most of the guys that you have on this year's roster are probably going to be back. Although Avi Garcia, their cleanup hitter, he has a player option, so he might go test out free agency. So the Brewers might have to pay up a little bit for him to get back. But 
honestly, pretty much everybody else is going to be uh, back on this team aside from Eduardo Escobar. So it might be a hole at third base that you could fill up and bring in a new bat. But, I mean, unfortunately, the Brewers' offense just picked a very poor time for the bats to go cold. Do you, do you think when they, when they seem to take their foot off the gas those last couple of regular season games – do you think that caused them to come in a little bit flat or, or, or not? No. I. The thing is, we talked to uh, Jason Stark. He's a Hall of Fame MLB writer. He's the lead guy for the athletic and all that when it comes to MLB. Um, and we talked to him about right before the NLDS began, and he said that there's really no correlation between getting hot heading into the playoffs and you know whether or not that's going to carry over to offensive production and all that. And you know, and another point too is the Tampa Bay Rays, the teams that most of the you know analysts and experts had going to the World Series. A lot of people had Rays and Brewers, and the Tampa Bay Rays they really had to kind of fight and keep their foot on the gas pedal because the Yankees, the Red Sox, and the Blue Jays were all fighting for that second and first wild card spot to end the season. So the Tampa Bay Rays kind of had to keep their foot on the pedal so they wouldn't lose any momentum. And sure enough. Tampa Bay Rays also got eliminated from the uh, ALDS against the Boston Red Sox. So you can say that, but at the same time, like this Brewers team was really just trying to make sure that they were healthy heading into the postseason. I think that's one thing that you want as a fan. Because I, I don't know if you guys remember, but like last year, they went into the playoffs with Corbin Burns injured and Brent Suter had to make an appearance and start. And we all kind of know how that went. Right, right. Okay. Well, I thought I'd get the. Uh sports guy opinion and you know tom i don't know if you're you probably don't follow baseball a whole lot tom but uh tom and i are old enough to remember some series i'm sure and 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 i'm not a baseball guy but one thing i do recall in years past just when i'd sit down in a little bar up north while hunting in late october and watch a a world series and it didn't matter who the teams were it always seemed that the the winning team had a guy they had that guy now, back years ago, Reggie Jackson, Mr. October. Uh, I'm trying to think of some other guys. But, I mean, there was always that guy who was the man during the series. And, and the Brewers didn't have that guy. The, the Cardinals did. Their, their, their MVP, he came through. Ours didn't. It just seems like we needed somebody to step forward, and we, nobody did. Yeah, uh, Christian Yelich heading into next year is definitely the big you know, highlight on the roster, especially in that offensive lineup that everybody's going to be circling because uh, we talked to David Sampson, former Marlins president on Thursday, and he actually worked with Christian Yelich early on when he was, uh, you know, with the Marlins organization. So he's very familiar with him and his tendencies and all that. And he said, yeah, unfortunately, you're just going to have to chalk it up and tell Christian Yelich that, you know, if, if he were in his position that he wouldn't even tell him to touch a bat until spring training next year and just wor- not worry about it and take the whole offseason off and not worry about baseball. So you're just going to have to hope that he figures it out in 2022, and if he doesn't, that's when you really got to start getting concerned because you don't want to you don't want to get rid of a guy like Christian Yelich, nor do you want to think that he's not going to be able to turn around because there's just there's too much upside with him. And to get that contract done, you saw what the Red Sox did to uh, Mookie Betts, who's now – a two-time World Series champion. You don't want to lose guys like that. You want to try to keep them if you can. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Thanks for the insight. Yeah. So, Tom, um, you yeah. uh, you watch any of the series, or were you out fishing this week? Well, first of all, I want to tell everybody what I teased before the break uh, about an email we got 
from Kyle. Now, first of all, I've got one happy email and one, or one happy thing to tell you and one sad thing to tell you. First of all, Kyle sends us an email and he says, Good morning, fellas. Today is my wedding day. We are getting married on the beach of our favorite lake where we have done boating and fishing for decades. My soon-to-be wife tends to outfish me, but my claim is that I let her. Here's to many more years of fishing with the love of my life on that lake, and have a good day. That's from Kyle. Congratulations, Kyle. I hope you have a great day. So that's number one. Number two, um, I sad to tell you, Bushy, that this week, this past week, I had a heart attack. So You had, you had, had a heart, heart attack, attack, Tom? Yep, yep. Actually, I had three. That damn Mason Crosby gave me three of them. During the Packer game. Oh, I get it. I get it. <laughs> he gave me three of them. Oh, my goodness. I'll tell you, that was, that was nerve-wracking. Uh, I don't want to go through another game like that at the end, you know? Yeah, I, uh, I was sitting at, uh, with our friends at Park Avenue Pizza, and I can't tell you, at least twice when Crosby came up, I said, that's it, game over. He's got this for sure, I told everybody yep. sitting yep. there. Yep. And then <laughs> he'd miss it. And I'm like, I can't believe it. I would have bet $100 that he would have made that kick. So Especially the extra point, which was the shortest one. Yeah, you know? yeah. The, oh, that, my goodness. That, that kind of got it going. But uh, uh, the uh, the kicker for the other team, though, I was impressed with his leg. He missed a long one, but only because it, you know, he just missed some real real narrow narrow narrowly narrow misses and they looked like they would have been good from 70 yards well he uh, he, he with, doinked with his the, leg he, he doinked the follow the the, the pole I mean, he, he hit the pole way up yeah. high i mean yeah. he didn't like doink the crossbar oh, i mean that guy has high. a leg on him man what's yeah. even crazier is that he's made at least two game-winning field goals already this year yeah so well right i don't think people i don't think the broadcast especially um brought to the light how the weather can really affect that you know games at that stadium because I, I went there for a baseball game in Cincinnati and walked past the football stadium and it's literally right off of the river so there's going to be a lot of wind I don't think the broadcast really brought that to the light no yeah, I if, they, I don't think they mentioned the wind once no no and that and you're right Sam that you know when you're kicking outdoors is from what I hear is totally different than kicking indoors you know Oh yeah. So, anyway, so but yeah, that was uh, quite quite the ending of a game. That was that was something. Don't want too many of those. No, nope, I don't nope. think my heart can take it. That's so. right. We and, and I need you. I need you here every Saturday, Tom. And I think we got a caller here. We got two minutes okay. before break. Yeah. I think we got time. Yeah, let's go yeah. to Rich in Milwaukee. Hey, good morning, Rich. Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, a quick comment and then a, a, a question. You were talking about the the leaf color change one of the huge determining factors for on the, on the color of the leaf change is the uh the less sunlight hours that we have now in the fall and okay. we don't know about the photosynthesis and all that but that that's a huge part of that okay huh. and um the other thing is I, I think i might have talked to you last year about this this time of year is 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 orange blades pre- preferred for musky fishing on spinners, I like them any time of the year. Any time of the year. Yeah. And what about murky water? What about it? Well, yeah. is it does it is there a color preference in murky water? 
I guess I'd I'd have to go with the orange blades again if I'm fishing murky water. Okay, because I'm going to be heading up to the Yellow River, and it, I mean it's like it is yellow, but it's, yeah. it's murky. Yeah, those those stained. It seems like a lot of those rivers are kind of kind of stained. Um, but I you know I I guess even something with flash. I'm thinking you know even even probably just the plain uh, you know whatever. Uh, uh, a copper blade or you know any type of blades with metallic flash that in the in the orange blades uh, I think those those river fish I think they're pretty opportunistic they're pretty aggressive if you can uh, find where one's holding just outside kind of a current break kind of they're kind of they're kind of like uh, trout in the river where you find them in the little eddies and current breaks and seems like uh, they tend to be aggressive if uh, something comes in front of them they, they uh, swoop on out and grab it, uh, you know, just like uh, an opportunistic, like I said, trout waiting for something to get washed on down to them, and they don't have a lot of time to think about it if something's washing on down to them. So, the other um, color I would recommend, Rich, uh, is a white bucktail with a gold blade. Okay. The gold blade uh, kind of mimics the, 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 the bait fish that are in rivers. Whenever you have a stained colored water like that, they're they're usually like more goldish in color. The bait mm-hmm. fish are, if you've okay. noticed, even like a walleye is is a little right. darker, a little more goldish in that. Uh, and and the white body, the it, you know, it maybe stands out a little bit more in the in that uh, dark water. So that might be something that's good too. I like also like yeah the white with the gold blades. I like that a lot. All right, wonderful. All right, All right. well thanks for great calling, tip, Rich. Tom. Great show, guys. Thank you. Take care. Good luck. All right. With that, bottom of the hour break we got coming up. We got the the gut report. I got something that will clog your arteries. So (laughs) we'll be right back with the gut report and more right here on the Wacky Walleye's Cutting Edge Outdoors. Come here. I'm going to eat you. I'm bigger than you. I'm higher in the food chain. Get in my belly. The gut report is brought to you by Discount Liquor. Well, I wouldn't recommend this fish recipe all the time, to use it all the time. You don't want to clog your arteries up, but every now and then it is a good treat. This is very simple. Next time you fry bacon, save the bacon grease, because what you want to do is you want to take a quarter to a half a cup of that bacon grease and put it in the skillet. Then take your bluegill, perch, crappie fillets, whatever small fillets you have, and dredge them in some flour, Place them in the hot pan with the bacon grease. Add a little salt and pepper. Flip them over, you know, until they're golden brown. And I'm telling you, if you like bacon, you will love these fish. Like I said, though, you might not want to do it all the time because uh, they will clog the the arteries. (laughs) So be careful with it. The Gut Report is brought to you by Discount Liquor, where you'll find the best price, selection, and service at 51st and Oklahoma in Milwaukee and Main Street in Barstow and Waukesha. For, uh, for weekly specials, go to discountlikerinc.com. Okay, Tom, that was a good gut report. Uh, along the, that theme, uh, I got a little bit of a gut report myself. Um, I caught something, Tom, that uh, that I've never caught before fishing this week. Uh, um, inland stream brown trout. I've oh, wow. Never... Well, that's right. You said you were going to try for those. Yeah. Yeah, I did. So I caught some and I, I caught, 
four in a relatively short amount of time. I actually, season ended the 15th, so it actually ended this week. So yeah. I was out the 14th, I spent $10 and bought the lousy stamp, and then I didn't even have a rod and reel, so I had to go to Walmart and buy a cheap little spinning rod and reel and some hooks, and then I was lucky there's a Senex station up there that actually had bait. It was the only place around. There's no bait shops anymore, and they had couple uh, boxes of uh, red worms left in their refrigerator, probably getting ready to, to throw them out for the year. And I, I went and uh, I caught four, and then I lost about six in a row. I could not catch that fifth fish. And uh, I'll tell you what, those, those brown trout, they are really spooky, man, in those streams. I mean, yeah, they, once I got a couple caught those, you know, four out of that pool, it just seems like they all kind of disappeared. And um, so anyway, it was a good time. Now, nothing real big. Uh, I got a, you know, a couple of them were, you know, maybe pushing 11 inches, but they're beautiful, beautiful fish. I've caught brook trout before, uh, but never these brown trout. Now, I kept them, and they're so, you know, then I caught two that were, you know, I kept a couple that were even smaller that, you know, they're about the size of a smelt, small smelt. And I, I, I went online, I thought, well, you know, if you get, by the time you try and fillet something like that, you're not going to have much of nothing left. Right, right. So I went online and saw this guy where he did it on YouTube. He caught about a, yeah, about a, maybe a, maybe a 10 to 12 inch, uh, little rainbow trout. And he, uh, he gutted it and he scaled it. Uh, there's not much of scales on those things, but he just rubbed the knife over it, cut the head off and chopped the tail off. And what he did was he, uh, he, he fried the thing whole where he took and he cut little slits in the side, just maybe three on each side. And he just grabbed some Cajun, some Cajun seasoning, poured, you know, put that on both sides. And then he put butter in a pan and fried it up and it was really good, I guess. I mean, the guy was eating it with his kids, and I mean, you don't get a whole lot of meat, but so anyway, I got four of them right now in the fridge with the Cajun season on them, and I'm going to take a frying pan and fry them up. Oh, that and, uh, good. Yeah, now my question was this. Now, like for the really, really small dinky little ones, I'm wondering if a guy could eat them whole like we do with smelt, because remember with smelt, you'd just yep. eat them backbone and all and it would just be kind of crispy i i don't know if that would be if i'd yeah, be able I, to do that or not i know the the trout that we've eaten over the past were all i think they were always over like nine inches or so but uh you know that nine yep yeah maybe some of them were eight but like mainly nine inches but when you and we would fry them whole like that we wouldn't put the okay. slits in them but we would fry them whole and uh, the the only thing is is that you know when you you can pull that meat off of the those thin bones there are thin bones there and the meat comes off them relatively easy so and I didn't see a problem with that I just don't ever remember doing anything smaller you know like a five or six incher right you know? right yeah I got a couple seven inchers that I yeah. caught that I my first couple that I caught and then I caught the two bigger ones later. Um, but I so be you're, careful. You don't want to be swallowing any bones. You know? Yeah, I guess you know. I you know we being as you've you had a heart attack, we don't need me choking to death this week. Um, but 
I'm thinking, um, I saw the guy online, he was eating the, eating the skin as well. He, I think you can probably just kind of pick it off with a fork, I'm thinking. Yeah. And, and just, you know, take, do it that way. Yeah, I never, I never like the skin on fish for some reason. I know some people do, I don't. And, uh, you know, I used to take my kids, well, I used to fly fish in a lot of these little rivers that were just north of Madison. Yep. Uh, in that area, there was a bunch of little rivers, and we caught all kinds of different trout, small ones, nothing nothing big ever. I think the biggest trout I ever caught might have been 12 inches only, but um, a lot of them were that, you know, 6, 7, 8 inch, you know, and then some 9s and 10s here and there. But I would take my kids over to Lannan Quarry because they put them in there every year, and I just wonder if any of our listeners know if they still stock the trout in Land and Quarry, because I'd like to take my grandkids there. And uh, in either that or i got to go online to the DNR and find out if they still stock it. But I used to take my kids there, and they'd always catch a, you know, their limited trout, and they had a good time, and then we'd fry them up at home, and they tasted just fine. Some people would say, oh, they taste like, like uh, liver or something because of the pellets that they eat. No, they tasted like trout. They tasted just fine, so... But that was a that's a good place to to go if they still did that, you know. Because remember when they used to all, always stock the the lagoons, the county parks, and that. Yep. Yeah, they would stock them with trout and that, and I know and out there at Land and Quarry, that was a big place where they would stock them. So I uh, got to find out about that. Well, I know they uh, they used to stock other area lakes yeah. around here. Uh, uh-huh. I was on. Uh, what was it? Was I an upper Nabobbin one time or one of those? And the Neshotas, they would do that too. Yeah, yeah, maybe it was Neshota. Yeah. Uh, I think I was an upper Neshota and I was trolling crawler harness, hoping with a worm or night crawler, hoping to catch a whatever, a walleye or something. And we caught a couple little rainbows mm-hmm. doing that. Um, I so, know there's, there's a river that connects uh, Neshota with uh, lower uh, upper Nabobbin. And a lot of people, if the water was high enough, they would take their boat, you know, actually they have to pull their boat through that area. Yep, that's what I did. Yeah, to get to the other lake, yeah. Yeah, so, I, uh, I actually got out and just kind of tilted the motor and kind of half waded yep. our way waded our way up there. Um, it, it's in Genesee, lower Genesee, uh, I believe, uh, Al Brown uh, used to go fish that during the opener um, uh-huh. for for the little rainbows and so forth. And I think they just used like a little, I don't know, salmon egg or something like that. Now, you used to fly fish then, right? In the streams. Yep. You, yep. Okay, so I wasn't fly fishing. I was just using uh, between the night crawlers and the red worms. The night the red worms worked best. Um, this seemed to be the perfect size, and of course you had to let it just drift with no weight whatsoever and try and get it in that current where it would naturally go to them. But I was wondering, what else could a guy use other than red worms, Tom? Could, would you be able to use, with like a little salmon egg or something, would that have worked as well? I, I'm yeah, just kind of well, curious. I also use the, the, you know, I fish, you know, with the live bait like that as well. And I also used small MEP spinners, like the number zero MEP spinners. Yep. Those actually, and they were plain. They didn't have any hair on them. Those actually worked very well, too. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, one of our uh, advertisers, Nate, who has Z-Bart, um, he has a, a nice, uh, I think it's a brown trout on the wall that he got mounted. And he uh, he, he was mentioning he uses uh, spinners like you talked about. Yeah. And I think, 
I'm trying to think. Uh, he, I think he got a nice one on a, I want to say, Blue Fox and a Vibrex. Uh, and I, so it sounds like those, Rooster Tails, Little Meps, um, those all would work. And I'm thinking if you were targeting a bigger to try and get one of the bigger trout, I'm thinking probably those little spinners might not be a bad way to go. But did you try using like a salmon egg or something other no. than? Uh, no, it was no. either worms or spinners. Uh, when we were down in, in Missouri, we went and fished on uh, Lake Tanicomo when I was in college. And, you know, it's kind of funny as college kids, you didn't worry where you were going to stay. We just drove up in a couple of cars and found a farm field and threw sleeping bags out and just slept in somebody's field that night. And uh, then we got up and rented boats and we caught all kinds of little rainbows, all right around that 10 inch size. Uh, and all we used were salmon eggs. Uh, in 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 the river and it was a big river but um you know it, it it worked pretty effective now those are planted as well those are planted now the ones i'm i was catching up those brown trout up there near lacrosse i mean those those are all you know they're not planted planted anymore i guess i'm thinking brown trout i don't i don't think were brown trout native to the to the u.s or were they planted it seems to me they were planted many many eons ago i could be wrong no i kind of think they were native but we'll see maybe one of our listeners will call but right now we got to do the hornswoggle coming up where if you uh, win the hornswoggle you'll get a ten dollar gift certificate to carl's country market out there in menominee falls on the corners of pilgrim road and silver spring they got all kinds of uh, sausages award-winning sausages meats and it's like a little grocery store, and, and of course, they do fish smoking, they do deer processing. So, you know, you might want to give them a check, but you will win a $10 gift certificate, hopefully, if you're lucky this morning. So if you want to play and you haven't won in the last two months, all you got to do is call 414-799-1250. That's 414-799-1250, and good luck to you. Welcome back to the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. Hey, we've got our world-famous Hornswoggle segment up right now, and uh, it's a rare occasion when we don't have a bunch of people calling in, but we do not have a caller yet. So now's your chance to probably score an easy gift certificate for Carl's Country Market. Uh, Give us a call, 414-799-1250, 799-1250. We'll try and make the questions not too terribly hard, Tom. Hey, if, if nobody calls, can I play? Sure, Tom. <laughs> but you got to win. you got to get two out of three correct. Yeah. Will, will you give me a $10 gift certificate? Sure. Sure. Oh, no okay. problem, buddy. Just uh, <laughs> I'll get you that. So uh, yeah, We'll you know. probably get a caller, though. I'm yeah, sure pretty yeah. soon. I'll so. get you that certificate. Long as you don't have a heart attack before uh, before you have a chance to go out there. Right. Of course, as long as Mason Crosby doesn't miss any more kicks, you'll be okay. Okay, we got an email from uh, who's this from? Captain Andy. Captain Andy says brown trout are not native to the U.S. They were introduced from Germany and the U.K. in the second half of the 19th century. That's the 1800s for a lot of you people out there. Oh, uh, good, good. Says, Tom, we have to hook up sometime. I have a Larry Bandy story. (laughs) 
I'll have to uh, send Captain Andy my phone number because I want to hear a Landy Larry Bandy story. That's uh, yeah, that's uh, that's good information. I thought that's why they always called them German brown trout, and it's truly amazing how 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 they can bring a fish from another you know another continent, and and uh, and they're everywhere. You know what I mean? There, yeah. I, I, it's, it's just kind of, it, it's kind of boggles my mind. I've heard, I heard carp when they came to the U.S. That people, when the railroads crossed the U.S., that people would every time they cross water, they'd throw carp in there. I don't know well, if that's true or not, that. and I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's true. If that's how any of these other, how the trout were introduced. I well, mean, regular... I, there's a lot of bodies of water in a lot of states. Unless they just do their nature thing and you get them in one river system and they just do their nature thing and spread from there on their own. I don't know. Well, there's uh, German brown trout and brown trout. They're two different species of brown trout, you know, two different ones. Okay. And uh, the inland brown trout, I don't think are German brown. The German brown trout get really big. Well, there's uh, one called the, the, the biggest, the, the fast-growing one, I think, is called the sea forelin yeah, one. And I think right, that's not Germany. Right. That comes from... Uh, um, that's, uh, I want to say Norway or something like that, but Someplace. anyway, yeah, there's different strains, but we do have a contestant, Tom. Oh, so let's alrighty. go to our Hornswoggle. Go. All right, let's go to David in Milwaukee. Good morning, right. Dave. Good morning. Good morning. Okay. So, uh, here we go. I'm going to make a statement and if I'm pulling your leg and it's not true, you say Hornswoggle. Um, if, um, if you, uh, if I'm, if I'm telling the truth, it's no horn schwaggle. So here we go. Uh, okay. Sighting in, sighting in the rifle. A lot of people are going to be sighting in their deer rifles for this upcoming season. Uh, one good rule of thumb is when sighting in a deer rifle with most calibers, if you sight in at about one and a half to maybe two inches high at 100 yards, that'll put you pretty much dead on straight out to 200 yards. Horn schwaggle or no horn schwaggle? Non horn schwaggle. No, okay, no horn swaggle. Very good. Uh, here we go. When you sight in your deer rifle in the middle of July, don't be surprised if in the late cold temperatures of November, if the point of aim is a little bit off. Horn swaggle or no horn swaggle? No horn swaggle. No horn swaggle, yeah, that's right. Did you know that, Tom? that the temperature can affect i think it's like every 20 degrees in fahrenheit temperature can affect uh the height the drop um at 100 yards by either half to one inch so it has yep. something to do with the air density okay you're two for two so you're already a winner um we'll see if you'd get the third one when sighting in uh, it's sometimes recommended that you fire a couple of fouling shots first and then sight your, proceed to sight your rifle in. Hornschwaggle or no Hornschwaggle? Uh, got me there. Uh, let's go with uh, Hornschwaggle. No, was a horn, that was a no Hornschwaggle. Typically, mm, they I say mean. a dirty barrel shoots a little different than a clean one. So if you fire a couple fouling shots first and then sight in. But uh, you, you're still a winner there, Dave. So thanks for listening. Thanks for calling in. And uh, we'll put you on hold there. And Sam, I am. We'll get your address. I'll get that mailed out to you right away. Thank you, sir. All right. Take care. Oh, good thing we got a winner. Oh, I was going to say, I remember reporting a while back there was a huge brown trout caught in New Zealand. 
And I don't know what strain that was. They didn't I think say. that maybe maybe that's that's where the C Forlin one comes from. Maybe I yeah. yeah and, I just and, don't and remember. The, the Wisconsin DNR uh, years back uh, planted some of those in Lake Michigan, you yeah. know, and and so most of the giant ones that were caught, I believe, were of that uh, were of that strain. But yeah. you know, it is amazing the uh, the difference in the coloration between like a, a big lake brown trout and inland one. Oh, you know, yeah. In, Huge. You know, the, the big lake fish are just way more silvery uh, and don't have the color, whereas the uh, the brown trout uh, was kind of a kind of a amber, kind of a, almost a yellowish kind of a color, but I guess you could call it kind of, a, maybe that's why they call them brown trout, um, but just beautiful, beautiful, yeah, whereas... Whereas the brook trout, if you get a big old brook trout, uh, sometimes it can have that beautiful blaze orange belly. I, yep. I've caught I've caught brook trout before, but uh, those stream trout really are really are gorgeous. Yes, they are. I agree. And now it's uh, 6:59 exactly on the dot. 6:59. We got the top of the hour break, so we're going to do that real quick, folks, and we'll be back with the second hour of the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors with Dan Bush and me, Tom Neubauer. So stay tuned for more. The following is paid commercial programming. The content and opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of WSSP, Odyssey Milwaukee, its staff, or sponsors. From Lake Michigan to the Mississippi and every river, lake, and field in between, let's talk everything outdoors. Aboard! <laughs> You're on the crazy train! Welcome to the Wacky Walleye Cutting Edge Outdoors Show. Fasten your seatbelts for a wild ride through Wisconsin's outdoors. Only on 1250 AM, The Fan. Well, it's a chilly one out there this morning, folks. They say it's colder than a witch's thorax. Well, I really don't know how cold that is, but that's what I've heard them say. Who are they? I don't know, but that's all right, because you're listening to the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors, where, you, where we come to you every Saturday morning from 6 to 8 a.m., and if you want to get in touch with us, by us, I mean Dan Bush and myself, Tom Neubauer, you can always give us a call at 799-1250, that's 414-799-1250, and you'll get in touch with Sam Schmitz on the board, and then he'll get you in touch with us, or if you're just a little nervous about being on the radio you can always email us live at ceoguys at yahoo.com good morning danny again good morning again tom we're into our exciting exciting second hour of the show mm-hmm. uh, couple uh hunting topics uh i was reading an interesting article in the lacrosse paper lacrosse tribune this week uh talking about hunting numbers and how they're shifting and apparently the number of gun deer hunters uh, has been going down. Uh, apparently the traditional that, you know, nine day gun deer, which, you know, in Wisconsin has long been a, almost a family uh, tradition. Uh, it doesn't quite have the clout that it used to have. Uh, it, another change in hunting is uh, the, the, the deer drive. 
Uh, now, my, my uh, dad and uncles and everybody, that's all they did. When they grew up hunting up there, there weren't a lot of deer, and it was big country, and if you didn't get the deer moving, it was likely you weren't going to see anything. But nowadays, uh, more and more people are still hunting, and maybe that's due to a lot of people hunting agricultural land, and, and uh, they got nice, comfortable stands that they can sit in with heaters, and uh, there's more more likely more deer coming out onto those food crops and so forth but it, it, it's changed but the other thing uh trend that's happening now is uh even though there's less uh, gun deer hunters the influx of crossbow hunters apparently has really been taken off uh now that's been kind of contentious where you know several years ago there were a lot of the bow hunters were against allowing you know crossbow hunting but uh, it looks like that's become extraordinarily popular, and uh, it seems to me now, I, I think the numbers I read were there were even more crossbow hunters than bow hunters now, but apparently that's kind of uh, even things out where the total number of hunters is probably close to what it used to be, just not as many gun hunters, so... But um, now, you, you know, Tom, your, does your, your son bow hunts, does he also use a crossbow? Uh, he uses both. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He does the crossbow and uh, the the other one. I yeah, I I do both as well. Yeah. And uh, you and know, he gun like, hunts too. Does, yeah. You know, so he guns, crossbow, and uh, boy, why can't I think of the the other bow? Compound bow. Yeah, compound. Why couldn't I think of that? But anyway, yeah, he does all of those. Yeah. Now, oh, did another, you, get a, you didn't get a deer then when you were up there. Did no, you? no, I didn't even really hunt. I hunted for about, you know, two hours one night. I was just more or less setting up trail cameras and doing some scouting, doing some walking, getting some exercise. Uh, yeah, it, it, it was nice being up there, catching some brown trout. I've always wanted to, I've always walked over and saw those trout scooting off. I uh, always wanted to try and get them. My brother years ago, he did go down there and he caught five and he let them all go. And he, I think he got a couple that were bigger than the ones I caught. Um, but um, I, uh, I, I, I should have been more prepared. I should have brought a nice little spinning rod and reel. I'll tell you, here's the embarrassing thing. Um, I, 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 I was cheap, right? I went to this uh, Thesons, right, to get a little, I was going to get a little rod and reel. And they didn't have much, but they had this stupid little, they called it a dock it's a little oh, yeah. Zebco dock rod and reel. So it's like an ice fishing size rod, right? What, With aren't this... they about three feet long? Yeah, this, yeah, it was like even two feet long. Two and I don't two know. Two feet, okay. Yeah, so anyway, and it had this cheap little spinning, or spin cast reel with six pound line on it. And I thought, well, oh, this will be good enough. I'm just kind of standing on the edge. Well, that didn't cast worth a crap. I mean, that was, I tried and I managed, I really uh, managed to, I had to, and then I had to get closer to the bank than I wanted to without spooking the trout. And I, I maybe had two, two fish on and, and I, and I also didn't have any night crawlers or worms. I was digging under logs to find red worms. So I was, I was kind of, kind of hindered as far as not having a whole bunch of bait and so I, I screwed up that day. So I went back the next day when I caught the four. But realistically, that was the worst day to even be doing it because I'll tell you what had happened. When I first got up there, Tom, on Tuesday and walked out, they'd had heavy rain. 
and that that uh, crystal clear trout stream was all murky. It was murky. You couldn't see the bottom. And you could look down in the current and you'd see these flashes. You'd see these flashes of silver. The trout were going nuts, feeding. And I've always heard, I'm not a trout fisherman, but I guess our trout fish, I've heard that, I think I've heard this before, that after a heavy rain, when all the stuff is washing down the stream and so forth, that that's a good time when the trout go on a feed and that's a good time to be fishing because I'll tell you, they were down there and I think I could have dropped something down there and they would have just scooped it up. But by two days later, by the time I was fishing, it was way clearer of water and I think that made the fish that much spookier. So. Oh yeah, they're very spooky. And they, and they, they can actually feel those vibrations of your footsteps. You know, when you, yes. if, if you start stamping, you know, around the bank, oh, yeah, they can feel that. And and the other thing, too, that if I, you know, the first two days, the first day would have been the best. The second day would have been okay if I didn't have that stupid little rod and reel, which I spent $14.99 plus tax, <laughs> and I ended up breaking it over my knee and throwing it in a dumpster. I just threw the son of a gun away and went and bought a decent spinning rod and reel the next day. But I was conscious of that. They they can feel your vibration. Even my shadow on the day I was caught the four, I was being, it was kind of making it difficult because the only bank where I could approach would cast the shadow of my body across the water. And uh, I know that can possibly spook them. And then I walked about 100 yards up the, uh, 100 yards up the, uh, alongside the creek to see if I could find any other holes. And I, I really couldn't find any deeper holes, but I could see some nice foot-long brown trout with the polarized glasses just laying in some of these flat areas with some light ripples in like, look like maybe 12 inches of water. And they're just laying there. But mm-hmm. it was impossible. I tried sneaking up ahead of them and you know crawling on my hands and knees coming back. But by the time I threw a, one cast in the water, even the sound of the worm and the bait going bloop in the water spooked the fish. All of a sudden, all I saw was nothing but little clouds of dust in the bottom of the stream where they'd taken off. So those, I mean, they really are wild, those, 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 those brown trout. Uh, yeah, they, they're they, very they, easily spooked, yeah. But, you know, when I was fly fishing for them, you know, I, I, I still have my fly rods and reels and... You know, I've got some, you know, eight and a half foot, nine foot fly rods of different weights. But there was one uh, river that, or stream, I guess you'd call it. it wasn't a river, creek or stream. Uh, it had a lot of br- a lot of overhanging trees and brush around in that. And I thought, man, I'm, not, you know, I was going there one time and I was looking at it and I couldn't use a longer rod there. Uh, it was just too much stuff in the way. So I ended up buying a. A seven, I think it's seven or seven, and I think it's seven foot, yeah, seven foot fly rod, which is extremely short, you know, for a fly rod, it's a seven footer. But I could make easier roll casts then, you know, with the the limbs hanging around and the brush and all that. And I'll tell you though, you know, you get a, I think it was like a four weight, seven foot four weight, and you you know you get a ten inch brown trout or nine incher. Um, it bends that rod over, you know? Oh, yeah. And it was fun. It was fun. I really enjoyed it, yeah. Yeah, you know, a guy doesn't have to be catching 50-inch muskies to be having a great time. 
That's you know, right. it's 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 the, the all kinds of different experiences with different fish. So I really enjoyed it. And right now, I think we have a caller, Tom. Alrighty. All right, let's go to Leo and Wasaki. Hi, Leo. Hey, Leo. Hey, hi, Dan. Hi, Tom. What's up? <clears throat> See, uh, the leaves change colors. It goes by ground temperature. That's why they change sooner up north. Obviously, the ground's cooler up there. Yeah, that's true. Uh, you got a point okay. there. So yeah. The anyway, I heard there was a <clears throat> muskie tournament, uh, Chippewa Floage area, fly fishing muskie tournament. Oh, and boy. A, and about 40 muskies were caught. Really? Yeah. That's interesting, huh? That's quite a few. It is. Yeah. It is. I know yeah. the, uh, uh, they did a lot. There's a guy up uh, who owns a bait shop up in Rhinelander who takes people fly fishing for muskies, you know, and. That must be quite exciting to get one on a fly rod. Yeah, there's got to be an art to doing that. Oh yeah. I'm I'm guessing uh, I'm guessing they probably were fishing maybe the Chippewa River there or you know some of those if they were fly fishing. I'm I'm just thinking that was probably uh, more conducive. Uh, you know there are a number of good uh, number of good musky rivers in Wisconsin. Chippewa, the Black River. My brother used to do great on there for nice big pike and muskies. And uh, the Yellow River as well, one of our other callers mentioned. So that fly fishing, uh, um, that uh, that would be quite quite the battle if you hooked a giant muskie on a fly rod. Well, yeah, this, this guy said he was on a lake near oh, the Chippewa okay. Flowage. And the guy caught a 38-incher, I guess, and made 10th place. Wow, that's yeah. all right. Nice. You know, I don't know if you guys saw that Larry Smith episode where he was uh, – he wasn't fly fishing. He was he was on a, a little river, and it wasn't a big river at all. And they were fly uh, they were uh, casting for muskie, and they caught six of them on the show that day. And that I was quite impressed that they caught six. I mean, nothing real big, but that was a that was a great show. Yeah, and yeah. like you said, a small river it looked like a nice area. Yeah, you you, rem- you remember that then? Okay, cool. Huh. I guess right. I need more coffee. Uh, thanks, right. Leo. You okay, take care. Thanks. Okay, bye now. Yeah, spe- speaking of coffee, Tom, I wor- woke up this morning and with horror, with, I mean, abject, abject horror, I realized I forgot to buy coffee yesterday when I went and bought about 100 things at Uh-oh. Pick and Save. So no coffee in the morning. But here's, uh, here's the tip that uh, people, our listeners who are listening right now, it's worth tuning in just for this tip. What I found was you can take just coffee uh, uh, a cup of cup of water and microwave it for a minute and get it nice and hot so you got your coffee cup with hot water and if you just kind of sip on that and kind of forget about it it's kind of a placebo for drinking the morning coffee and i had two cups of hot water this morning and i was able to get my my morning my morning uh my morning uh constitution i was able to take care of my normal business that normally takes the, the coffee to prime the pump oh wow yeah so there's and, and you know warm water is good for you too do you realize your body absorbs warm water and gets hydrated quicker than drinking cold cold water no, i did not know that yeah next time you're lost in the desert i want you to remember that now i think it's all warm water in the desert isn't it yeah well, <laughs> there's no water in the desert yeah maybe no water either <laughs> probably not well let's let's say what let's take one more uh break we got one more break at the quarter of the hour so uh, folks stay tuned 
Hang on to your hats. We'll be right back with more. He's Dan Bush. I'm Tom Neubauer, and this is the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. To the Wacky Walleyes, Cutting Edge Outdoors. I'm Dan Bush along with Tom Neubauer. And uh, we got Sam putting on some rockin' tunes there for us today. And uh, speaking of rockin' tunes, Tom, did you hear that uh, Ted Nugent apparently was in Wisconsin? Yes, I did. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, did you hear a little bit about some of the... I, apparently, the Republican uh, lawmakers, 20 Republican lawmakers, are trying to pass some uh, package of bills right now. And have you heard some of the bills that they're talking about? I think I read a few, but I forgot them. So. Well, well uh, one of them is t- uh, to hunt sandhill cranes. Oh yeah, that's one of them. Yeah. Yeah, and it it seems like uh, it seems like there's tons of sandhill cranes and. It's kind of funny. Nugent called them their, he calls them their ribeyes in the sky. Right, uh, right. Yeah. And, uh, and then another one I'm not quite so sure about myself. Uh, it's, it's, it would be a bill that would allow anyone age 18 or older to carry a concealed firearm without a permit. Now, I've got my concealed carry myself. Um, I, I don't know, Tom. I'm a pro-gun guy, Tom. But... I'm not sure if I necessarily think just anybody, just because they're 18, should be able to carry concealed without a permit. What do you think? No, I think you should have a permit. Yes, they do a background check on you to make sure that you're not a felon, that you're not a crook, you know, that you're not a criminal. So I definitely uh, don't agree with that. No. Yeah. And, 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 yeah, so. Oh, we we got a quick email here, and then we can get back to that. Uh, this is uh, Jim writes us, I have been fishing trout in the Kickapoo area for 35 years. A small ice fishing jig, say silver with a red bead, and a medium-sized worm or a good-sized piece of crawler work great. We eat in a local park and we scale, gut, bread, and pan fry. Skin can be eaten or peeled off. The trick is to use a knife through the back spine and lift the fillet. If done right, you can uh, lift out the entire spine. Good fishing. So thank you, Jim, for that info. Appreciate it. Yeah, that's that's good tip. When I when I when I fry these suckers up this weekend, uh, I'm gonna have to try what he said. He said try the spine will just lift right out. So yeah, well, yeah. If you if you cut like take a knife and cut from the top to the back, you know, bottom to the tail on both sides of the spine. Okay, a, a slight cut down each side. Yeah, and then you can like grab it and pull it right out. You know. So then, then you just gotta probably deal with the the rib, like you said, the rib bones, yeah, basically, right, right. which exactly. are gonna be so, there as well. So, but you so know, what I, else I, did they, what else did they say that they they wanna change? Okay. Uh, well, this one I I didn't quite get. Uh, another bill would allow hunters to go after. Non-native bovids, is it bovids or bovides? Bovids, I guess. Such as buffalo, antelopes, and wildebeests. 
How do you know what's non-native? It says the Republicans say many such animals are already being raised on Wisconsin game farms. So I I don't get it. Are they saying that if because there are no buffalo, antelope, or wildebeest in Wisconsin, uh, are yeah, they saying on a game farm? Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, you can. Of course, you can. Uh, I would think you can go after those on game farms already, yeah, can't you? Yeah. Just pretty much hunt. Are they saying that if like a, a, a wildebeest escapes from somebody's game farm, Joe Schmo can just shoot it regardless? I, it's hard to say what they're saying, but I know, as a matter of fact, uh, the Feldmans, Myrtle, Myrtle and Marv Feldman from Feldman Engineering, now God bless their souls, they're many years since passed, but uh, Myrtle had a farm and she had a lot of buffalo on her farm, and she charged people to come out and hunt buffalo. It wasn't too hard. You know, you just took an ATV up close to them and shot them. And it, <laughs> that yeah, that, was, your, it wasn't that was your buffalo hunt. I'll tell you, nobody yeah. had a buffalo hunt like Myrtle, I'll tell you. Exactly. It was pretty easy, pretty easy. <laughs> and uh, But you did get, I mean, you paid a lot of money, but you got a lot of meat. So, um, anyway. But, they, yeah, I don't, I don't know exactly what that that bill means I, myrtle you know tom that myrtle i haven't heard that name since my gr- deceased grandmother talked about her friends named myrtle 60 yeah, years a, ago that's an old name boy oh boy is that an old name so oh, here's oh, a, you want another yeah. old name yeah give me another okay let me think i'm gonna see if i can come up with it myrtle's Fe- an old one and female. um female okay female old name Actually, myrtle. My, my mother and father both had old names well, that's because they were pretty old. Uh, but my mother. How about name, Ruth? How about no, Ruth? That that's an old biblical name. Yeah. Agnes. 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 Go. Good one. Ooh, there's a yeah. good one. Agnes. What do you got, Tom? Uh, my mother's name was Luella. 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 Yep. Never Luella. heard of the name Luella. The only other Luella I've ever heard of was a movie lady called Luella Parsons back from the early 1920s or something. Uh, but there was Luella, and my father's name was Gilbert. 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 You don't hear Gilbert much anymore. <laughs> you know, Gilbert. That's an old one. And now, I, I, I Gilbert wanted, Neubauer with the news. <laughs> I wanted to name one of my kids Gilbert, but my wife put her foot down on that. Well, thank God she did. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Thank God. Woo. All right. That's, well, that's an old in, one. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, apparently, uh, I didn't know this. Now, Nugent, I haven't been following him lately. Apparently, he's a national spokesman for a, a group called Hunter Nation. Yeah. And right. apparently, Hunter Nation was the group that won the court order that forced us to have that late winter wolf hunt last year. Yeah, and, and, and also for this year, too. Okay. So they're... For this year. And, and the thing is, you know, that's still up in the air. Well, There's stuff going on in the courts right now. You know? Here's the here's the latest that I heard, courtesy of Wisconsin Outdoor News, which I, I got recently. And uh, they even admitted that uh, it would be a little out of date by the time it came. You know, the things would have happened even before, you know, after they they, 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 they when it went to print, there was going to be more stuff that would come out after that that wouldn't be included in the paper. In other words, there was supposed to be some yeah. October 7th meeting that was going to happen, which obviously must have happened by now. And apparently the national, the NRB, Natural Resources Board, was the one that uh, said, you know, 300 wolves 
and apparently the DNR changed it back to 130. So apparently uh, they were considering whether they were going to, I don't know, sue the DNR or take them to court or something because yeah. there's a dispute over who actually has the, who makes the laws on this stuff. Does the DNR have the control of it or, of it, or does the NRB? So a big fight over it. And so yeah. I don't know what's going on. And that 130 then that they want, well, that only comes to 65 that can be killed because the other half go to the Native Americans in uh, northern Wisconsin, and they don't they don't shoot them. You know, they're their brothers. So, uh, you know, and, and, you know, the thing comes down to the wolves, the DNR always wanted to have uh, a population of 350. Well, you know, if they think there's a thousand wolves in the state, which is a lot more than a thousand, if they want a population goal of 350, why don't they shoot the other 650? Then they'll meet their goal. You know, they're such hypocrites. They're talking out of the side of their mouth constantly about it. Oh, we want this, but, you know, let's not let's not change it. You know, let we want 350 wolves in the state, but, oh, geez, there's over 1,000? Oh, that's too bad. You know, we'll, we'll shoot 100 of them. Big deal. If you want 350, shoot 650. Well, I don't think anybody even has any idea on the actual number yeah, of exactly. wolves. I, I think... I did read the most intelligent thing I read about it, Tom, was uh, the former secretary, George Meyer, I believe. Yeah. He uh, There's an article in Wisconsin uh, Outdoor News about it, and uh, this whole thing with the 350. He said that at the, he was there when they settled on that 350. And he said the, 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 there was two things that they're, they're, they're looking at. Uh, what's, uh, I guess... Uh, biologically acceptable, if that's probably not the right term, as far as being able to maintain a number of wolves uh, safely in the state of Wisconsin, and what's socially acceptable. And they settled on that number of 350 wolves uh, in Wisconsin because they figured that uh, that was the socially acceptable number. Not that it wouldn't, uh, Wisconsin wouldn't be able to probably carry a thousand wolves and maybe be okay but they figured 350 was going to be the most socially acceptable that people would be willing to live with therefore they settled on that number back then but you um, would, you would have thought that the Dan, dnr that uh, you know they've got some very smart uh animal biologists or whatever you know they're called uh, you know they got some pretty smart people working in there that they should have said, oh, gee, if we got 350, they're going to multiply. They're going to have little baby wolves. They're, they're going to be, multiply every year. And you would have thought that they could have figured about how many out of 350 that they would have, you know, and, and how that, that number would grow. You'd think they would have thought of that, you know. Well, apparently they, they didn't anticipate them reproducing as fast as as they right. did and, and and i mean i mean they're not god in all in all defense of those biologists yeah, that's true. Uh, they don't know yeah, they, uh, how how is it hard for them but uh, apparently now that 350 number apparently some people in the dnr are trying to skew it where they're saying well no that 350 doesn't mean that we wanted 350 wolves it just meant that once we hit 350 wolves, that's when we'd, you know, allow a hunt. 
And then Meyer was contradicting that, saying, no, we that 350 was a number that we were, you know, supposed to strive for. So it's all political, too. Uh, you know, it's, it, it's, it's all political. So uh, even people, I guess, that um, thought they might, you know, try and get their wolf tag this year, apparently are trying to switch to just get a preference point instead. Because if you had a wolf tag and you thought that, oh, there's going to be 300 that, or whatever, if, even if it's half of that, 150 that are going to be able to be shot, oh, okay, I'll do it. But now if it's reduced even further, shoot, by the time you're done hunting halfway through the first day, you're going to hear that hunt's over. You know, they already got the number of wolves that they needed. The trappers, I think, are the most successful as far as getting the wolves. Wow. Well, we'll have to see how this plays out, and we'll have to see how these commercials play out right now. So stay tuned, folks. Dan and I will be right back with more of the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. Welcome back to the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. We got two more segments left aboard the crazy train. And once again, thanks to all of our listeners. If anybody has question, comment, fishing report, hunting report, call us at 414-799-1250 and we'll see what we can uh, come up with. Yep, or you can always email us at ceoguys at yahoo.com. Uh, Danny, let me ask you a question. Yeah. When was the last time that you can think of that you broke a line while fishing? Uh, on a tough, fish? Tough question, huh? <laughs> on a fish? <laughs> yes. <clears throat> on a fish. As a, yeah, when was the last time a fish broke your line? Boy, I, uh... uh... <laughs> Oh, okay. Long time, eh? Okay, so here, here, here is my my. This is this one's a gut punch. I was uh, up on Lake of the Woods, and it was during the glory years when we we got we got the band together and we all went up there, a bunch of guys, and we were running for flags like crazy. It was Christmas on ice. Oh my gosh, were we partying out there up by Zipple Bay and catching multiple 40-inch pike, and uh, i just gotten done watching uh, Steve Komar pull up about a, I don't know, about a 40, I think it was a 41-inch or something like that, and my flag went off, and I uh, Tommy Wilson hopped me on the back of a snowmobile, and we uh, flew over there, and this thing had made a run like nobody's business, and it was heavy, and it was fighting hard, and all of a sudden just was gone and I think what happened was uh, I think it actually was so big of a fish that it actually swallowed the quick strike rig and then bit me off bit off the Dacron line uh, I had maybe I don't know 20 pound Dacron line it, as fate may have it it was the lighter line that I had the other ones I had 36 pound but uh, and it, as fate may have it, it was a slightly smaller quick strike rig. When I tied it, I thought, is this long enough? And I thought, ah, that's good. So I always envisioned a 48-inch northern swimming off. So that was the last one that I can really remember that was a real, real gut punch. 
I I I remember two. One of them was uh, this is back around nineteen oh seventy nine, eighty, eighty one, something like that. I was fishing a tournament, and I I ended up in third place. But I would have won the darn thing if I wouldn't have my line wouldn't have broke. I got a I was using a, a, a number eleven uh, floating Rapala black and silver, and. Uh, bass came up and hammered it and i'm fighting it and it gets closer to the boat and i can see it and it was a big fish you know it was one of those that was over five over five pounds and i i I probably pulled too hard or whatever it was i did something wrong and that one broke me off but the other one do you remember the line called prime dupont came out with prime it was they called it a co-filament they had um yeah, they had monofilament on the outside and an inner core of, uh, it was like toothbrush wire. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You know, I... It was a hard plastic on the inside. That was some of the crappiest line that anybody ever came out with. It was terrible. The, the, the worst line that I ever had as far as just broke like crazy uh, was the uh, Royal Bono. Royal Bonnell. It was, uh, I think, I want to say, did Berkeley come out with that back then? No, uh, no, that was Garcia. Garcia. Okay, Abu Garcia, Royal Bonnell. And uh, they they spooled it on the reels free at Monk, 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 Montgomery. Well, everybody call, used to call it Monkey Wards. And uh, spooled it on Penny a Yard or something goofy like that. Uh, so for a buck, you'd get 100 yards. And uh, my brother and I, we now a trout memory come, coming back. We went to go fish with my dad on Shano Lake, and it was too rough. So we drove uh, into around Shano County and went over a bridge, and it was the Red River. And we pulled off to the side and walked down by the just by the side of the bridge. And I looked underneath down below a rock, and man, there was a a big trout just kind of hanging there. And uh, we just little rods and reels. My brother threw out a bobber with a night crawler, and he hooked into a big trout. And he had it on, and it snapped the line. And we never forgave Dad for that one. On that, that crappy Royal Bonnell stuff, lost us a fish. We we had to we had to get all new line after that. But yeah, that was a that was a tough one. Hey, I think we got a caller. I think Al Shook's on the line. Okay. Morning, Al. Hi, Al. Good morning, guys. How's it going? Good. Going good. What's happening? Well, well, my experience with the Natural Resources Board and the DNR goes back some 30 years. Okay. And what is going on right now, actually the DNR is breaking a state statute where they are to follow the direction of the Natural Resources Board. And they decided that they wouldn't do that concerning the wolf. And it was a September meeting that the DNR said they had nothing to present, nothing to monitor or what have you, and that forced the Natural Resources Board to cancel the September meeting for the first time since they've ever been together. Uh, it's, it's become a, a very petty situation now between the DNR and the Natural Resources Board, and I believe it starts right at the top with the governor, 
and as you stated, it's all political. That 350 number that George was speaking about was actually derived among the things that he said, but at the time it was the belief of wildlife and U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service biologists that there was only that much habitat to support 350 wolves in the state of Wisconsin, the entire state. But as you look back on a lot of other things that wildlife biologists have come to conclude, they only thought that turkeys would make a living in the southwest part of the state and that there would never be cougars here and, you know, so on and so forth. They only know what's written in a book. They have no idea of what these animals are capable of as far as adaptation. Forty years ago, you would never hear of a coyote in an urban area because they didn't have to come into an urban area. They weren't being forced out by development in their area or what have you. And they're still trying to figure out what's going on with the coyotes. And with the wolves, just it's only been since, I think, 2012 was the first year we could hunt them. They've been untouchable, literally untouchable, if they were deprecating a farmer's herd of animals, they would only trap and relocate. They wouldn't euthanize those animals, and then they would come back. Well, since they lost their protection, gained it again, and lost it again, now they're required to have a hunting season, and the original 300 number that the board proposed was because they knew that the Native Americans were going to claim half and not take any. So the DNR says they want 130, which would leave for tags for non-Native people because all of those uh, tags and those zones are not in the seated area. So there would be approximately 74 tags this year, whereas with the original 300, there probably would have been about 145 tags available, and the DNR went to war with a quota for 130. So if you do the math real quick, and even by public school, they're arguing and, and breaking faith with the public over 15 wolves, and that's what all this is about. The DNR secretary, the vice secretary, and all the upper brass in the DNR should be charged, but they won't be because the only one that can bring charge is the district attorney call, not the district state's attorney call, and he won't even defend the Natural Resources Board in their suit against the DNR. So it's, it's a messed up situation. They're all acting like third and fourth graders on the playground fighting over a, uh, one of those rubber playground balls. Yeah. What they're, doing, what they're doing is ruining any of the good faith that the public had in both organizations. Right. The Natural Resources Board gets a, gets a bloody nose because the, the chairman won't step down, even though there hasn't been any replacement verified for him and the DNR is getting a bloody nose from the people that they're supposed to be 
disturbing because they're being petty over essentially what winds up, winds up being about 15 wolves. Gotcha. Well, we don't appreciate all yourself. that info. There's... We got to go to a break. Well, don't kid yourself. There's well, way over a thousand wolves in this state. Oh yeah, we know that. A lot more. Well, a lot more. You guys have a great show. It's fun listening to you. Okay, thanks, thanks Al, Al, for the info. Take care. Bye now. Yeah, with that, we got to take another break. And when we come back, I'll finish my story that I started about Prime Fishing Line. So stay tuned, folks. Danny Bush and myself, Tom Neubauer, we'll be right back with more of the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. To the final segment of the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. Thanks again for getting on board, and I'm Dan Bush along with Tom Neubauer. Tom is giving us some information on the world's greatest fishing line of all time, Prime. So yeah. Prime Time Neubauer, take it away. Yeah, I wish it was uh, good. It was terrible. Like I said before, it had the outer core of uh, mono, and then this inner core, which was a real hard. Uh, plastic anyway like 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 toothpaste uh, uh, like a toothbrush I mean uh, wire well anyway and my brother-in-law and I were in uh, on Pewaukee Lake in the Narrows and it was fall and we had a sucker off of each side of the boat and then we had the one sucker on a float that was you know maybe 30 feet behind the boat and uh, sure enough that float started taking off never went down but it started going off to the side quickly and I knew the sucker couldn't do that I picked up the rod, and I got ready, got the line tight, gave it a good hard hook set, and the line broke. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't believe it. It was you know, it was actually, uh, they came out with that line earlier that year, and uh, and it's like, you know, because I was, uh, they were one of my sponsors, DuPont was, and of course, if they're your sponsor, you're, you're supposed to be using their stuff, so, and uh Boy, I'll tell you that. And then uh, there was a time on a on a bass as well with that prime, where I set the hook hard on the bass and the line broke. And that was with like maybe ten or twelve pound test. Well, I took that stuff off my reels right away because I knew it was terrible. I even I even called the rep on it and I said, "This is terrible line. I wouldn't I wouldn't sell this to anybody. You know, I mean, I, you can't promote this stuff. It was terrible." So if anybody ever sees any of that lying around, do not buy it. <laughs> it's so, terrible. Well, let, let me ask you this, Tom. Uh, I, I mentioned our experience with the... Uh, Royal Bonnell, yeah. Royal Bonnell. In fact, you know, we still had it on our reels until we went down to the East River to fish for carp and bullheads. And when even those fish kept breaking us off, then we really realized that the line was, was indeed crap. Um, but do you think it's possible that you just get a bad batch of line? Yes, it is definitely Be- because possible. because I honestly don't see any major manufacturer bringing it to the public without testing it first. If the stuff's going to just snap just like that, um, well, you the reason, the reason that happens is is that well Royal Bonnell I don't know what I don't know where Garcia was getting their line from, but Garcia did 
Ambassador, or whatever it was called, Garcia Ambassador, they didn't have their own extrusion machines, extruding machines. And, uh, you know, so I don't know where they were getting it from, but their uh, quality assurance was not too good because what happened was that the line was not consistent in its diameter. So, like, uh, let's say with six, well, let's say 10 pound test. It should have been around 11 or 12 thousandths in diameter. In some spots, it was eight. In some spots, it was nine. In some spots, it was ten. It varied. And uh, those extrusion machines, they run, oh, my goodness, they run 24 hours a day. Huge spools of line are, are put on at, at a time. And then from those huge spools that are, you know, taller in a, than I am, uh, when he cut, then they go to a, a spooling factory where they put them on the hundred yard and three hundred yard spools. But yeah, they can have mistakes because they're they're putting in the hoppers, you know, the different ingredients to make the line, and you know, human error. You know, it could screw up. You know, something happens. I, you know, I so, did. I did. Uh, now you're you're bringing up all these horrible memories now about lost fish. But the year was uh, two thousand. And uh, I and my brother Tim were up at the Pike Master Tournament late September in Sturgeon Bay. We had discovered a pattern near the end of the tournament the year prior, a uh, trolling pattern that we knew would for sure ensure victory for that year. And uh, I, uh, I, I outthought myself. I should have just went with my regular trolling rods and reels that I was using for muskies, but I tried to go super stealthy with the clear water up there, and I... I took my uh, line counters and I spooled them up with this fluorocarbon, which was supposed to be invisible, and it was Berkeley Vanish. And we uh, we hadn't fished long at all, and I hooked into a giant pike. Uh, it took the planer board down and gone. And uh, my old buddy Steve Millia taught me years ago, if you get one, a planer board sinker, you probably got a 40-plus inch muskie. And I fought that fish, and all of a sudden, inexplicably, the line broke. And uh, then I thought, you know, of course I was sick about it. Well, a little bit later, I hooked a smaller pike. And um, before I could even start hardly fighting that, that one broke. And it seemed to break right where I had the planer board clipped on. So now I'm totally disgusted. And I wanted to quit and just head up to the bar and call it a day. But my brother said, oh, you got to regroup, regroup. I got some rods and reels. We'll just use these. And we did indeed end up catching a 40 and a half incher, which almost won us first place. But uh, it was at Berkeley Vanish. So for years, I said, yeah, they call it Vanish for a reason. You hook a fish, it's going to vanish. But, <laughs> yeah, fish but, you know, that was 20 years ago and they still sell it. So it has to be good stuff. I just must have gotten a bad batch is all I can think. That can, it can happen. I mean, yeah. uh, that's, you know, anytime you've got humans playing with stuff, you know, there's always human error, possibly, you know, so you know, it can happen. For, for you, ever since I've been using the Strand Clear Blue Fluorescent for the last, I don't know, 30, 40 years, whatever it's been, I have never broken that line. Never. You know, that was the only line I used growing up. I was a Strand fan, not the Berkeley Trilene fan, but now I like Trilene too, and Oh, One I nice like thing, both. though, Tom, yeah. when you talk about, uh, you know, human error, we make no errors, me and you. Good thing we're on top of our game all the time, and uh, I think we're about done for the day, buddy. Yeah, well, that's all I got till next week, Danny. That's all I got, buddy. To all the listeners, thanks for listening, and God bless and stay free, everyone.
You've been listening to the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. We'll talk to you all next week, my friends. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 